Good morning, listeners of Medical Education's podcast series. This is Kevin Eva, the editor-in-chief of the journal, speaking to you from sunny Vancouver. Uh, the fact that it's such a beautiful day here makes it a bit difficult, I suppose, to talk about the, the topic that uh, I'm going to be speaking about this morning, which is one of burnout. And to, to talk about that, I've, I've asked Lottie Derby, Associate Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, to uh, have a conversation with me because in the October issue of the journal, she's, along with her colleagues, had a paper accepted and to be published called Factors Associated with Resilience and Recovery from Burnout, a prospective multi-institutional study of U.S. medical students. Lottie, I guess the first thing I might uh, say to you is that it, it does seem perhaps ironic that, that burnout is such a difficult uh, topic to, to become aware of and to talk about, that perhaps that's the reason it's becoming such a hot issue in the field, as we've gotten a number of papers submitted with people trying to better understand these issues. Can you say something about why you think this is becoming such a priority for the medical education community? Well, I think it really started with research that was done looking at issues in practicing physicians. And research done by others showed a high prevalence of distress in physicians in practice and that this distress was adversely impacting quality of care that they were delivering to their patients. So that really got a buzz started about, well, what's the cause for all this distress and uh, when does this distress start? I think that's caused many of us in medical education research to to look at the prevalence of distress and factors causing distress, not only in faculty who are already in practice, but in trainees such as in our residents and in our medical students to really get a better understanding of, you know, where is this starting and why is this happening and ultimately what should we do about it so that once our trainees graduate and are out in practice, they're not only competent with respect to their knowledge and their skills, but they're also equipped with the skills they need to really be resilient and have a productive uh, career, to be in practice for many years and be happy in that practice and deliver really outstanding care. Right. I'm intrigued that you used the word distress in, in answering the question rather than burnout. I, am I right in assuming that people are, are currently conceptualizing burnout as just being an extreme form of the stress or fatigue or, or frustration that, that many would experience? Or is there something qualitatively different that defines burnout? Or, or well, I think that, yeah, distress is just sort of a big umbrella word. And within that, there are kind of traditional personal distress, such as anxiety and depression, which can really be caused by a lot of different things. But within that umbrella, there's also more this concept of professional distress, and that's what we think of uh, when we talk about burnout. So it's distress that's really caused by work-related factors. And I think that's you know where the, the emphasis has been lately is looking at the issue of, of burnout, per se. But clearly, there's lots of other forms of distress that are affecting trainees and physicians in practice that are also having serious consequences. And so within the professional realm, is there something that defines those sort of routine stressors turning into to burnout? How does one measure or operationalize such a 
broad or potentially uh, challenging uh, concept? Well, in our research, we have defined uh, burnout really by using the Maslach Burnout Inventory, which was you know, developed over 20 years ago and has been used in multiple studies outside of the health professions. It's been used in teachers and engineers, and, uh, social workers, and, and other um, professions. And burnout, when you look at it from that perspective, really encapsulates three different syndromes, which is characterized by feeling emotionally exhausted, depersonalized, which can also be thought of as feeling callous toward one's patients or really detached, and then having a low sense of personal accomplishment. So it's really those three aspects that are sort of captured when we talk about this concept of burnout in health professions. Okay. So as I alluded to at the start of this conversation, I'm often asked, given my editorial role, what seem to be the hot topics in, in the field these days, and, and we've received a, a large number of papers on, on this very issue. It's clearly something that's coming to the forefront. And so I was wondering how you went about positioning your study so that you were making a real advance beyond that, that large amount of literature that's already accumulated. What, what do you think is, is unique about this activity that you've published? Yeah, so what's unique in this article is that, you know, we sort of move beyond documenting that there's a high prevalence of, of uh, burnout in trainees. Rather, what the focus of the paper is, is looking at those students who don't develop burnout. And how are they different from the students who do develop burnout over the course of the year? And sort of the second part of the study related to some students develop burnout but recover over the course of a year, and other students don't. So what are some of the factors that are associated with students recovering from distress? Because I think if we can start to answer these sorts of questions, you know, what makes a person resilient to burnout, or how can a person recover from burnout, that kind of information is critical to informing any kind of intervention, research study, or any sort of student wellness program. And that's really why I think the, the the study was important and, and novel. I had the same impression, but you have a large number of participants over multiple classes and multiple institutions as well. Without asking you to try and recreate the entire paper on the fly, given that we are a little bit time limited in these podcasts, what would you say are the highlights of those factors that you've been able to identify in this research that, that you think others should know about? Yeah, so in this study, we really looked at a, a wide variety of, of factors to try to, you know, start to dissect what's associated with resilience and recovery from burnout, as we talked about. And I think some of the, you know, key finding is that students' perception of their social support and their perceptions of the learning climate are really related to their resilience to distress. So, for example, students who think that their education is a priority for faculty they're more likely to be resilient to burnout, and they're more likely to recover from burnout if they're experiencing that. The same sort of thing goes with the learning environment. If they are really satisfied with the learning environment, they're also more likely to be resilient. And I think that, you know, these are factors that are potentially under our control as medical educators or as, as deans of medical schools, and things such as compensating and rewarding faculty members for teaching, ensuring teachers have adequate time to teach and that they have adequate skill to teach is really important in terms of addressing the student wellness issues. Other important findings of the study, I think, is that students who experience 
stressful life events, students who are very fatigued and stressed, and also students who work for employment, so who work for income, they are more vulnerable and have, uh, have more distress. So helping the students really get the skills that they need to manage their stress and to manage their fatigue and also to you know, help them manage their debt, I think are also important messages that this paper has. Given this effort and the fact that there do seem to be some clear implications or at least issues that one should follow up on, what would you say are the priorities for the community moving forward, either in terms of additional research that needs to be done to try to help us understand and grapple with this issue, or are you prepared to say at this moment that we know what we need to know and that there are definite educational innovations that should be implemented? Well, I, I think we, you know, clearly need more longitudinal studies to really get an idea of these kind of causal relationships and and um, where the best intervention targets are. I think that's that's got to be a huge part of the next step. And then there, I think there is probably some, you know, some lower hanging fruits in terms of where to go with our student wellness programs. You know, clearly these need to be well thought out, evidence based programs that have to be evaluated. In the United States, the LCME requires that all schools have a student wellness program, but unfortunately very little research has been done to inform what should be in these wellness programs. And until we have that kind of research, it's going to be hard to, to get resources allocated to these programs in ways that really makes them effective. So I think further research really needs to be focused on intervention programs that can be disseminated uh, to other institutions and hopefully across the globe, and also more of these longitudinal studies to help us figure out what should be the target for our intervention programs. Okay. I think uh, those are really some of the key next steps. It sounds perfectly reasonable to me. I'm going to wrap things up there and thank you for your time. Again, I've been speaking with Lottie Derby, Associate Professor of Medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Her paper on burnout factors associated with resilience and recovery from burnout will be published in Medical Education in October, and I would highly recommend it. Thanks, Lottie. I wish you the best of luck with your continued efforts in this domain. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure talking to you.